churros, butterbeer, funnel cake, boysenberry. There's no food like theme park food. Eat the Magic is a YouTube series about theme park food in Southern California and maybe Florida. Eat the Magic is hosted by a childless millennial of real repute, Jared the Greek. Karen's want him, Chaz wants to be him, no bothers given. Tune into our show, Eat the Magic, on YouTube. See our thirst for Dole Whip on Instagram at Eat the Magic. We'll see you real soon at the parks. Why? Because we like you. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Electric Sisterhood, and On Mystery Egg, proudly present No Points, No Race. The world's J-pop and alternative hotspot. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode 293 of No Borders, No Race. I am your king baby duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. So, what the fuck, Tom Brady? We all gushed about your retirement, what it meant for the NFL, and how we look forward to seeing all the cool shit you might do behind the scenes, and now you're like, well, never mind, I'm going back to Tampa Bay, LFG, no, no LFG, you really pulled one over all of us with this bullshit, for the love of God, just retire, you've done it all, achieved it all, and you'll be untouchable for decades to come. It's time for someone else to take your place on the pedestal. Honestly, when you retire again, and for good, you're not going to get any of those special articles and segments like you got two months ago. We'll be like, whoop! Now he's finished with his career. Here's a clip from 2022 when we all thought he actually did retire. Although, to be blunt, if he winds up winning the Bucks and their Super Bowl... We're all going to be eating our words. He's done this to us before. We all thought his prime was behind him. And then, just when it looked like his career was finished, he would go on to win a couple more rings for both New England and Tampa Bay. So, I'm not holding my breath that my anger over his unretirement's going to hold water. No sorry, Bob. He's going to prove us wrong like he always does. <sighs> Anywho, on today's episode of No Borders No Race, Dame Scarlett Asnable and I talk about Pixar's Ant Flow movie. And then, I chat about Bruno. Plus, as I mentioned on the last episode, we will be spinning some tracks in honor of the late, great Mark Lanigan in our non-Japanese segments. So... Let's get this week's playlist started. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. We're starting things off with Oreska Band, who just unleashed their latest album, Bohemia. Here is a cut from that record, entitled, I'll Be There. Hey, we want to tell you, Yeah, 
the Mike Rogers Show coming to you live from Tokyo, Japan, a year and special. And I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold. And you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese. Uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow, maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show, yes, tune in. We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool, and you can hear more good songs just like this.
2003's Nice That Was Puffy with K2G, a song I think fans of the original Teen Titans will recall from the brilliant Mad Mod episode. If you may recall, I named this album the best Japanese album from 2000 to 2020, as it was a moment where Japanese pop really started to evolve. Joining me right now is my good friend, Dame Scarlet Asnable of Scarlet Rhapsody. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Today, we are actually talking about the brand new Disney Pixar movie, Turning Red, from director... Uh, see if I get this right. Dome Shi, who also directed the Oscar-winning short, Bow. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Turning Red. I was looking forward to when this would drop on Disney+. Plus. It's a shame that we couldn't get in theaters because, like, yeah, um, I think the reason why they did that was because of uh, COVID reasons. Right. But I, w- I still would have loved to have seen this theaters. The last Pix- Disney Pixar movie I saw in theaters was Onward. And I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to, like, go back and just support this on the big screen. But you know what? I'm going to keep watching the ish out of this on Disney Plus. <laughs> I think I found my new new comfort movie. Right. And I'm kind of in the same boat, too. It's been a while since I've seen a Pixar movie on the big screen. I think the last one I watched on the big screen was probably Inside Out. I've, I've watched other films since that time, but it's always been either on Netflix or Disney Plus. Right, right. So the movie of Turning Red, we should talk about the synopsis of it. It takes place in Toronto, 2002, during the time when the big boy band fad was at its peak, but the rock scene was just about to explode, and it follows the Canadian-Asian teenager, May, who wants to be her own woman, but her responsibilities at her parents' shrine take up, let's say, half of her life. Yeah, I really liked the characters. I was very nostalgic for the setting because I was actually in Toronto's uh, Chinatown like a couple of years ago. Um, I actually had actually dined at like one of the Chinese restaurants there. Like, yeah, like I was like on a light diet day. It's like, okay, I'll have the soup. And yeah, it was very nostalgic for me just because like, yeah, I remember that. And also growing up in the late 90s, double uh, O's, I think yeah. that's what we call it, the double O's. <laughs> um, yep. That also reminded me of just like, yeah, I was also into boy bands, but more in the sense that my friend wanted to just start a boy band and like his own thing in um, high school and he needed a manager so I decided to be a producer other boy bands I built their website and made all their marketing materials I don't know what that says about me back then but yeah I I was like May I was all about that hustle and I as an Asian person I I did see myself in May like we are like the overachievers we have a lot of expectations from family to be the very best like no one ever was and I, I just found it just one of the more like relatable like um, Disney Pixar movies. Maybe I'm saying this as an Asian person, but I kind of felt like even if you don't identify as a Can-Asian, like there's a lot of things about growing up I feel that you can relate yourself to because like it's very rare to have modern media portray um, growing up as like this awkward, weird thing because for some reason, media likes to I would say specifically like Western media kind of does a bad job with that because we do see a lot of growing up aspects in the anime scene. This is true. I haven't uh, been keeping up with like a lot of anime lately. Uh, Yeah, I I still watch Pretty Kurt, which does have that element of like, yeah, childhood is awesome and like, let's, but let's also grow up too. 
But when I'm thinking about like just mainstream media out here, the water cooler uh, media, like where I would talk to my coworkers about, it's like okay,、um, euphoria. All right, I don't quite vibe with this, but like it's, I think it's like yeah, it's, it's sexuality. Discovering your sexuality is normal part of growing up, but no one ever wants to like talk and explore the awkwardness and the weirdness. Of growing up and getting from like point A to point B, and I thought it was hand, the metaphor part of it all, and also the literal part of all was just handled so gracefully in Turning Red. Which then brings us to like the main aspect of the story, where you know she kind of discovers boys, like not just you know boy band boys, but actual boys that are in within her vicinity, and that wakens her up to her fantasies, and then her mother finds the fantasies, finds the boy. <laughs> And does probably one of the worst things I have ever seen a mother do. That was traumatizing. Oh my goodness! Yes, because I remember that also brought me back. Because not only I didn't really have like the whole like I I have posters of in sync around my room. I was more fascinated by the whole like marketing of boy bands.、Um, but the closest thing I had was Gundam Wing. Because I like my bishis, and the girls in, in my choir, we were also obsessed with Gundam Wing. I mean, Gundam Wing was kind of like the boy band controlling the robots. Yes, boy band robots. <laughs> But the thing about Gundam Wing is, you also had the Fujoshi side of Gundam Wing. Yeah, which they really didn't touch on here. They didn't touch on the Fujoshi aspect. But you see the point here. You have like these young gals just kind of figuring out, like, oh, boys are hot,、mm. and like. Also, just trying not to be embarrassed by like our parental figures figuring that out. So, like, yes, we have the hot for these boys. And then this aspect of here also awakens the curse, where she turns into the big giant red panda. Which, of course, we can even touch on the fact that this is a whole giant allegory for female puberty, because of course, turning red can be a slang for、uh, getting your period. Hello, Enflo. Yep. And I do really like how they handled it too. Yes, I agree. Because so many, so so much times in media, you'll see like periods just kind of like as a misogynistic kind of、um, punchline, or just as like a really bad joke. Like, yeah, it's that time of the month again. Which is like, okay, that joke was fine for like the first like what five hundred million times, but. For a piece of media to treat periods as a normal thing, that like, yeah, let's support each other, let's give each other like hot water. It's a big step forward for Disney because I don't know if you may recall, but Disney like outright refused to release the Isao Takahata film Studio Ghibli movie only yesterday because there's a whole aspect of it where characters deal with their periods. Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that, and、uh, I believe you can stream. Only yesterday on HBO Max, like oh yeah, that's there now. Yeah, and it's a great movie. I own it on Blu-ray. I think it's one of the best coming-of-age stories that took place in the '90s. But it's nice to see Disney actually putting in a little bit more effort into showing real people、uh, having real problems, even if said real problems causes. Supernatural problems as well. Yeah, because I feel like when you're using metaphors and like very safe metaphors like that, and also being explicit about like, yeah, let's support each other, like just by giving pads and stuff and <laughs> and medication,、um, like you're coming it from like a very safe perspective and a supportive perspective. And I haven't, 
I can't recall like any piece of um, mainstream media, fictitious mainstream media that has d- dealt with um, menstruation since the book "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, Margaret," which was written in the '70s, and I read that in the '90s, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is an eye-opening book." <laughs> exactly, and then it dives into the whole aspect of you know using the red panda not not as like a means of a curse, but actually as an advantage, you know, because the big storyline, of course, follows uh, May and her friends wanting to buy tickets, see the band. Was it four? What's it called? Uh, Uh, Four Town. Four Town. Which reminds me of like that one boy band called Five spelled spelled with the letter with with the number five. I was thinking of that. And um, was it the was it O-Town that was like the Disney parody? Uh, O-Town, that was, I think. That was like part of making the band, but I forgot. It's just kind of it was it was like one of the later uh, boy bands, and Disney um, or a lot of the Orlando theme parks. Um, a lot of members of boy bands got their start in the Orlando theme parks. Right, because think about on the Mickey Mouse Club where you had Justin Timberlake and you had Britney Spears and you had all these these up and coming pop singers that got their start in those within the Disney realm. And I really like the metaphor of um, going to the boy band concert as being like the big thing you have to do to get to womanhood. Because I was thinking from an adult watching, it's like, okay, this is kind of silly, but I also have to remember myself, myself when I was also a tween, my big thing was going to my first anime convention. Mm. That was like my big thing. Like, okay, we're going to go to this anime convention. We're going to cosplay and we're going to be, we're going to be adults. (laughs) after this and that was also the thing that my parents were also very apprehensive about me attending it's like yeah that anime stuff like what's going on here that cosplay stuff is that porn or whatever but, but that's only five percent mother porn only makes it five percent of the anime i promise i swear <laughs> right right and just kind of like just looking at uh, like them just making a big deal just raising money to like Get to see their favorite band in concert also just reminded me. It's like, oh, snap. That reminds me of me, like, getting straight A's in all my classes in high school just so I could go to an anime convention and afford cosplay because I wanted to go to Tenna. Right. And one of the things that, that I feel like, like plays a big influence as well with Turning Red is not just the early 2000s aspect because of um, the way May narrates a story feels a lot like what you saw in films like Mean Girls and Legally Blonde, but also with, of course, the big anime influences, because I'm sure that yeah. everybody who saw this trailer for this movie, the first thought was... Canadian Ranma, and I was reading an interview, and I was actually watching an interview, and the creator... Um, she said her influences were Rama, Fruits Basket, mm-hmm. Inuyasha. I was like, yes, I can definitely see this in the uh, movie. Right, because with Rama, with her transformations, Fruits Basket, with how her transformations happens, because, of course, if you watch Fruits Baskets, you know, it's the opposite sex that helps, that actually causes the characters to change into to their uh, Zodiac animals. And there's actually one anime that I'm surprised not a lot of people have made comparisons with, and especially when it comes to May's friends. Um, Have you ever watched an anime called Princess Jellyfish? I was also thinking that, too. Yeah, because her friends are like Tsukimi's housemates in that anime. And they're like the oddball kind of friends, like the weirdo friends that you have, but you love your weirdo friends. And this is like one of the things I really liked about Turning Red again tying back into that whole awkwardness of growing up 
because like a lot of times you'll see all these like teen movies and it's like all these perfect like cheerleader types whatever all this like popular click stuff like no my group of friends in high school middle school like we were like the weird ones and we embraced our weirdness right because back in that time period when they were doing the high school comedy movies it's like the girls were always pitch perfect and then the guys would be like oh we're so awkward and we're horny and everything like that oh gosh jeez I want to be with the pretty girl you it's all it was that whole aspect of the girls were always the perfection and the guys had the flaws you never saw uh, movies where it's the women who had the flaws and as well as the men had the flaws too absolutely and I also like the fact that like she had a very diverse group of friends and also her mom also disproved specifically of she would always out like um was a Miriam like the white girl of the group mm-hmm. because I my mom was also like that too because like if there was like anyone in my friend group that was an Asian she's like oh I don't like XYZ <laughs> like oh my god that was my mom <laughs> we're going to take a music break here but we'll be back with Dame Scarlet as the bull and more on turning red in the next segment Now, since Turning Red takes place in 2002, I figured we'd showcase a song featuring Mark Lanigan that was released around this time period. And this album was my first experience with Mark's powerful vocals. From Songs for the Deaf, here are Queens of the Stone Age with Hanging Tree.
everybody. This is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them, Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time. I'm not 
From 1999's ARC, that was La Concierge with Butterfly Sleep. On May 18th, the band will be releasing Le Album Complete Box, a massive box set featuring their entire album discography completely remastered. And we are back with Dame Scott Asnabo and more on Turning Red. As we left off, we had just started talking about May and her relationship with her mother. Now, that, that leads me to ask you for, for your honest opinion on its portrayal of May and her family, because I know how, as, I've, as I'm certain that we've had conversations like this in the past, and I've had conversations with a lot of my Asian female friends, women, the, the mothers can be very controlling and ask and everything like that. How do you feel that the mother was portrayed in Turning Red? I felt this was one of the better better Asian mom portrayals because a lot of times um, the strict Asian mom, Tiger Mom, will be played as just a comedic punchline. Yes, a lot of her actions are very funny in uh, Turning Red, but they have good intention behind them and they also covered intergenerational trauma between the uh, grandma... Um, the mother and the daughter, and I really like just kind of like just seeing like just how all those tied into in together. And the reason why Ming Li is very strict on Mei Mei, like yeah, that's that's really real. And I thought it was v- portrayed very beautifully in this, and you can see like why um, Ming Li w- was very strict. And Sandra Oh just did a phenomenal uh, voice performance as Ming Li. And um, are we going into spoiler territory? Um. Let's let's try to be very careful, but I will say that the fact that we do learn that uh, the mother also had this sort of thing happen to her when she was a kid, but they found a way to keep the curse intact. And what I find very interesting, and maybe we will go into a little ter- uh, spoiler territory here, is that she doesn't become Monster Mom until, well... And I was also thinking, like, oh, well, like, I was also thinking, like... Yeah, I'm glad that they chose, like, pandas as, like, the animal that they transform into. Because I was also thinking, like, oh, what other, like, ancestral animal could they have chosen? Because, like, a uh, tiger mom would be way too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, dragons would be cool, I guess. But we already had Rayan the last dragon, so we don't want to, like, repeat the same thing. Of course. Towards the third act, that, was, that got pretty wild. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And I feel like, overall, with this, with Turning Red, like, this was... In my opinion, the least Pixar Pixar film I've watched in a very long time, and I consider that a good thing. Because if you've ever watched many, many Pixar movies, it's always, you're going to feel sad now. Feel sad now. Sad. Give me the Oscar because I made children sad. They focus more on fun. I actually felt more that way with um, Luca, which was a Pixar movie before this one, which is basically about like um, fish friends, like just kind of like, hey, slice of life adventures in like Italy, which also kind of has like a Ghibli tie in because the name of the city of Porto Rosso is um, an homage to for Porto Rosso. And, like, that movie can also be read as a coming-in-of-age, like, sapphic um, romance between the boys. Um, The director has not come out to admit that, but uh, that's the reading that I got from it. Like, whoa, this is definitely definitely a more-than-friendship kind of feeling between the two boys, and I... I was all, all all over it. I just not in a Fujoshi way, but more like as in like a safe way to like present this to like 
folks of all ages, like, yes, um, sapphic, um, summer friendship and letting go and had like just so many, like just really deep themes that I really like. Yes. It did bring me a tear to eye. Turning red also did bring me uh, like tears to my eyes too. And neither felt like Oscar bait. They just like, okay, let's just have like a fun summer movie. Let's have like a fun, uh, romp back to the, um, early two thousands. And I was here for it. Yeah. I was actually talking to uh, our, our friend, John from wicked anime and we were, actually comparing uh, this movie to more something like what you would see from Illumination, like a Despicable Me kind of comedic fun thing, or even a Phil Lord, Chris Miller kind of film with like Mitchells versus the Machines because of the way... Amazing movie! Yes, yes, because of the way the story is told, the way the story is narrated, and the way that even the, the film is edited and cut in such a stylistic way and made me think of those kinds of films over Pixar. And I was, I actually did watch um, uh, Mitchell's versus Machines the night before I was watching Turning Red and I saw a lot, a lot of parallels between May and Main Girl from um, Mitchell's versus Machines. Like right. both of them have like very quirky attitudes. They're not like, they're not like, um, as, how's it? They're not your typical um, protagonist that you'd find in a lot of like, uh, movies and media made for for tweens. Right, they are not Disney princesses. They're down to earth girls who are trying to get through the things that they are trying to get through. Absolutely, and I found that like much more realistic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love my Disney princesses and Disney heroines that eventually became princesses. I, I still like my Alice's. I still like my Belle's. But I do like this new breed of leading characters where. It feels a lot more grounded and a lot more down to earth, and that's the reason why I cosplays Mirabelle from Encanto. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I now understand why you. Because here's the thing: I have yet to watch Encanto, um, and I want to, but it's just that you hear so much about it that you feel like you already know the movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I fell in that category too. So one night, just like you know, I just put Encanto on on um, Disney Plus and just kind of relax. Oh my god, this is actually really good. And I saw it a second time, showed that to my partner, like, oh my god, I can talk about in my intergenerational family trauma by using characters from Encanto to, to describe such. Okay. Now, Turning Red just came out. There's already talks of expanding the story more. And my question Ooh. for you is, how could you imagine the story of May continuing after, you know, the point of which the movie ends? Well, um, Pixar is also known for doing short shorts. I know right after Luca, they actually came out with a short of one of the boy characters, like just hanging out with his um, father figure and kind of establishing that father figure relationship. And we got more Machiavelli. So real on a more realistic uh, point of view, I do see them like coming out with like shorts for Disney+. Plus. Um, something I would love to see down the line is I would like to see um, a Turning Red um, animated series. I, I was thinking like, the same thing too because I feel like that's a sh that that this movie can turn into small adventures that would work in bite-sized form. Mm -hmm. And I feel that Pixar has just done a good job with like just releasing like half-hour like specials because they did this for Toy Story and there's actually several Toy Story shorts and they're done very well. Like they're very underrated, um, but you can find them on Disney Plus. I like the one where like um, Jesse gets lost and she's has to work with Combat Carl, voiced by Carl Weathers, and that was awesome. <laughs> and I really see this like, okay, this realistically can be done as like uh, specials, because I'd like to see a Lunar New Year special for uh, Turning Red. Ooh. I'd like to see... So maybe yeah, like a year from now, they actually like do another sort of New Year's kind of 
like storyline. Yeah, like a thirty minute like Lunar New Year short. Like maybe they have to prepare the temple for a Lunar New Year festivities for like um, Toronto, um, Chinatown, mm-hmm. and girls um, all have a part in it. So like, yeah, I, I'd like to see it like, go in that direction. We can see the return of the aunties, and I love. Um, I, I, was it their grandpa or was it their na- neighbor who um, was like the exorcist guy? I think it, it might have been. I, th- I think it might have been the neighbor. Yeah, because I really like old man because like you see him like just like chill. I'm wearing a polo shirt here. I'm chillaxing, and like the next thing, like yes, I am an exorcist. Like badass. <laughs> Out of curiosity, what is next year's year? Which is the zodiac animal for next year? Oh, I, I don't know that one off the top of my head. And also, Zodiac calendars from different Asian countries that celebrate Lunar New Year, they all are, are different because I know some some um, Zodiac calendars also celebrate Year of the Cat, and I'm all for that mm-hmm. because I relate to Toru and um, Team Kyo forever right. with, with number four. So I was thinking, if next year's Year of the Dragon, boom, you could have like a Ray and the Last Dragon crossover. Oh, that would be interesting because I'm also... I know, I'm just, I'm just going, going back to, like, just all these crossovers. I was thinking when you're just, like, thinking about, like, just how different worlds just intersect with another, like, Kingdom Hearts. Because I know they had Pixar, they had Pixar proper. Oh, yeah, Maze Panda form would be a great assist, like, on an upcoming Kingdom Hearts game. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah, that would be a blast. Mm-hmm. So, overall, Turning Red, I feel like this is Pixar's strongest film in a very long time. Their most fun film, I think, since... It's, it's very, I think ever since the first Incredibles, this is like the most fun I've had watching a Pixar movie. Yeah, I've always generally had fun watching Pixar movies, but I really feel um, this Pixar movie was one like, okay, let's not think about like winning any awards. Let's not think about accolades. Let's just tell a story. Let's, um, t- coming from an honest place and like just roll with it and right. like just. Let's take the things that we liked from our childhood, boy bands, anime, um, what was it like growing up, the awkwardness of growing up, and just, like, hustling to just get to just something that you really, really want. Like, a boy band concert, for me, it was going to, like, anime conventions. I had to, like, get good grades before I could go to anime conventions and get cosplay. And I just really feel like, just okay, let's just have fun with this, let's roll with it, and go. Exactly. And I, like I said, that's why I look at picks this Pixar film more as something like Illumination, Lord and Miller, even like DreamWorks when they want to have fun. Like, it's good to see a Disney movie just having fun and while having a moral to the story, not having it so pushed in your face in a way that makes it, you know. Oscar bait. It doesn't feel like okay because I don't know if you heard about the controversy with how Oscar about up, where the when the screener was sent to the award folks, they only um, had the ten, first ten minutes of up um, to use as Oscar bait to get people to vote for up. They didn't include the whole movie, but the first ten minutes, and that's like okay, guys, up is an amazing movie. And it's not just for that 10 minutes. (laughs) Absolutely. And hopefully a lot more people will actually go and support Turning Red. Hopefully we can see more of the story of May as she she continues to grow up. And maybe, who knows, there might be even some new powers that she discovers in her red panda form. Yeah, like uh, the power of heavy metal. But that's a Negretzko reference. (laughs) We were making that joke when the... uh, 
when the trailer came out, when the promotional images came out. 2002 was when the boy band fad like reached this peak, and that's when it went downhill. And what was it replaced with? Uh, hard rock and metal, and and even like with it being Toronto, the hardcore punk scene. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I know that they were like your um, underground punk folks and like the hard rock folks in my high school in 2002, mm-hmm. um, because you, it was like the kids who were like into Limp Bizkit, the kids who were into Kid Rock. Um, and I had posts. And I had posters of all those people as well too when I was in high school. But yeah, like that's when like new metal. Yeah, because boy bands new metal they came out at the exact same time. But then when bands like Andrew WK and Queens of the Stone Age and all these other like hard rock bands, the White Stripes, the Strokes, like that started to build a new trend of rock and roll that became very popular. Because I also like to see like okay, um, like a time skip, like um, half hour special, like where are the girls in twenty twenty two? Because I also kind of like because I'm also part of um, the Stop Asian Hate uh, movement and. Um, Asian Spike Back movement. Right, which I, I appreciate your help with that episode of, like, a while um, back. May turning into a panda just to like just beat the ish out of racist because it's also happening in Canada. There's Asian hate happening in Canada as well. I know, and then that and is... I just have this power fantasy of like May just um, <laughs> kicking the living ish out of them. <laughs> she turns into the red panda and just destroys the whole convoy thing that's happening over there. Mm-hmm. Like, Mom, I need your help. <laughs> Scarlett, thank you so much for joining me here on this week's episode of No Borders in a Race. For our listeners, where can they find all of the information on Scarlet Rhapsody? Yes, you can check out our website, www.scarlet-rhapsody.com. We've been talking about conventions, conventions since... 2002. Wow. Same year as Turning Red. And we've also cover like issues in Asian America. We have our section called Mabuhai Bitches. And we also, yeah, we just like talk about conventions. You can tune in to Convention Tea on our YouTube channel, Scarlet Rhapsody Convention Cultured. And yeah, we'd love to have you to come in and like and subscribe because we always, there's always room at our tea table. Mm-hmm. And that tea table, I'm certain, is going to be coming to Anime Boston at the end of May. Oh, yeah. We actually do have a panel approved for Anime Boston. We'll be hosting Make Mine Mecca. I'm very excited about that. I get to rock my Mirai cosplay um, from Classic Gundam. Or who knows? We might, might rock Relina Peacecraft from Gundam Wing because I'm such a Gundam Wing nerd. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Scott, thank you again. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you when Anime Boston happens. And... I'm so glad the conventions are back because, you know, that's a big thing of Scarlet Rhapsody. That's your tagline, convention cultured, if if I got that right. Yes, we are convention cultured. (laughs) Now, Turning Red has been unleashed all across the world. And in Japan, the Japanese group The Ice recorded their own rendition of Four Towns, Nobody Like You. Here is that version with the Japanese name, Donakimo. だれにも叶わないライクユーうーいやどんな君でも Kimi, da yo, hontoro jibun wo, ka 
The Abstract Japan Podcast at abstractjapan.com Yeah. 
Gutter Twins with The Stations, the opening track to 2008's best record, Saturnalia, probably one of my all-time favorite albums. This was a project by Mark Lanigan with the Afghan Whigs' Greg Dully, which unfortunately only spawned this album and the EP Adorada. Nevertheless, a stunning album that brings the darkness in order to unveil the light. And now, folks, let's get local. It's time for this week's Beantown Sampler. Today's Beantown Sampler comes from the heavy rock sounds of Salem's Doom Riders. Doom Riders started off as a side project of Converge guitarist and vocalist Nate Newton, which unleashed their debut album Black Thunder in 2005. On April 1st, their second album, Darkness Comes Alive, will receive a limited edition vinyl release exclusively through Death Wish Inc. and Newbury Comics. And we're going to spin a cut from that sophomore release. Here are Doom Riders with Come Alive.
Star Trek to Back to the Future, we've got your pop culture reactions and news over at LeaguePodcast.com. The League of Ordinary Gentlemen comic book podcast is more than just comic. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts on social at League Podcast. <laughs> Better from 2009's Absolute Poly 6 album. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Poly 6, and the band will be performing all across Japan in April for its celebration. No word yet if it'll be expanded to the rest of the world. So, as you have heard in my Turning Red segment, I made mention that I had not yet seen the Disney film Encanto. And I said that I had no intention of watching it because with all of the Encanto memes out there, I felt like I had already seen it. But Scarlett, as you heard, said that she felt the same way. But then she sat down and watched it and had her mind changed. So, after I had finished recording with Scarlett, I grabbed myself a bite to eat and sat my ass down to watch Encanto. And let me say this. The story that I got out of Ancanto wasn't what I expected it to be. I knew it had to do with family and magic, but not in the way it was showcased. I was also expecting a huge adventure story, and while it had adventure elements, Ancanto actually keeps its whole narrative practically in one place, the sentient house known as the Castilla. So the story follows the Madrigal family, who live in the Enchanted House, and every member of the family has a special gift, ranging from super strength and the ability to bloom flowers, to healing powers and talking to animals. But the only person without powers is Mirabo, 
but she kind of acts as the glue for the whole family. After a family member gains their powers, the house begins to deteriorate and everyone's special gifts begin to weaken. Of course, that means the one who wouldn't be affected by this situation, Mirabel, sets out to find out what's happening. And here's where the whole Bruno meme comes into play, as his powers to see future visions holds the answer to what's going on. But Bruno was ostracized by the rest of the family as his visions caused more friction than good. So, after finding Bruno, Mirabel sees what's in the family's future, and it's questionable. And I feel like this is where I would like to stop talking about the narrative of Ancanto because anything else goes into spoiler territory. Now, I've watched many animated films about family, and of course, Disney makes a lot of movies about family. Mamoru Hosoda makes films about families. A lot of anime films are about families. And while Ancanto isn't the best animated film about families I've seen, you know, I really dug it. Visually, it's wicked imaginative, from the family's powers to how the house expresses itself. The music by Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda is some of the best I've heard in a Disney movie in years. While everybody raves about We Don't Talk About Bruno, the energy and melody in The Family Madrigal just freaking slaps. Honestly, it might be my favorite opening song from a Disney movie. Now, from a story perspective, Ancanto is interesting, but also simple. Having the tale confined to this magic house with only a sprinkling of what goes on outside of the home was pretty surprising. Disney is almost always about epic tales and epic places, and while the world of Ancanto is big, almost everything is confined to one location. In a way, it makes Ancanto feel like a smaller film than it actually is, almost indie movie-sized, but with a Disney budget. I liked the characters, I understood how they felt about Mirabel, and they all had their great moments. But I don't like how they ostracize Mirabel for the most part of the movie. They love her, but they don't involve her in many of the things they do. I don't know if it's intentional, but at the same time, they do treat her as the outcast of the family, probably even more so than Bruno. I get that these kind of characters have existed in Disney movies for almost a century, but it made me feel unsympathetic for many of them. For me, that's my biggest complaint of Ancanto. Other than that, it's a very good movie. For those of you who have seen it and are saying that I'm leaving certain aspects out of the film, well, I'm doing that because I want those who haven't seen it yet to be surprised by some of its elements. If you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch Encanto on there, and it's still playing in certain theaters around the world, and I believe as of this recording, it has been released on Blu-ray. So, if you've got about 100 minutes to kill, give Encanto a shot. I am very glad that I did. And now, let's get back to the playlist. Mark Lanigan collaborated with many artists throughout his near 40-year career. One of those people was former Bell and Sebastian member Isabel Campbell, whom he recorded three excellent albums with. This comes from their third and final release, 2010's Hawk. Here now are Isabel Campbell and Mark Lanigan with Come Undone. Stumble and I fall Your time is on my side Don't make sense of it all 
despite my foolish pride It's got me on my knees Tearing up my heart I'm shaking at my bones Tearing me apart I can't get close to you Come undone Come undone Come undone Babe, I come undone Time will take its toll Time can break your heart And if I had the chance We never have to part Took my only flame Took my one desire Threw it all away Went jumping in the fire I can't get Close to you Come undone Come undone Come undone Baby, come
Presenting a bold new adventure into Lovecraftian horror and black comedy, The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's acclaimed second series, The Terrible Secret of Lot X. So, to the woman in green. Estelle Thorpe has made a precarious purchase. Get anything good? Contents of automobile trunk, back seat, and glove box, unsorted. Mmm, riveting. But this auction win is more than it seems. A deranged man tried to outbid me. He confronted me afterwards. That box you bought? Burn it if you know what's good for you. He who is not to be named killed those boys and it's my fault. Just like he's gonna kill you. To solve the paranormal mystery she's uncovered, Estelle assembles an unlikely crew of curiosity seekers. Moses Cubbenfield, a renowned mountain man author. Estelle, ma'am, I, I, I promise that if you are trying to win me over, the odds are good, but the goods are Cherry Featherbottom, a flapper who's more than she seems. I'm gonna just be upstairs cleaning my gun. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? <laughs> Oswald Sinclair, Hobo King. That's not jam. That is definitely the opposite of jam. That is people jam. Anjana Ramakrishnan, Estelle's partner in a cult adventure. You summoned a demon and you don't remember it, darling. No firearms. Not right now. And Kenneth Rogers, a notorious gambler. I can play cards any old day, but chicken lunch at Thorpe Manor? Mm-mm. That sounds like a mighty fine time, I tell you what. Together, they encounter monsters above and below, and an unholy conspiracy that threatens to shred their sanity to tatters. This is startling and strange, but darling, we might be onto something here. This is why we came to Arkham, after all. Not for murderous grave robbers and disappearing children. The Necronomicon. Whatever your intent with this book, I caution you and say with all certainty, you will find more danger than answers. You brought me back. You, you all brought me back. Brought you back from what? This is not our world. This is not our world at all. When the dance is done and his infernal song rings loudest, there will be no lewd carnality denied to us. You leap onto this thing's back, bury your hatchet in its neck. He howls. I will eat you. Dear Lord, what happened to you? It's t- take too long to explain. We gotta get to uh, get to the hospital. I'll tell you what right now, we, we can't go to the police with this. Yeah, I suspect you're right. They'll put us in the sanitarium. I the air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. In this program, our cast actually lives the terror. It's an improvised audio drama that uses Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and the wits of our players to weave these uncanny tales. This is a cinematic radio play where anything can happen, and these poor souls never know what's going to crawl out of the darkness. Discover the terrible secret of Lot X, the entire second series now available on your favorite podcast player. Just search for The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program or unlock all our secrets at CthulhuMystery.com. Stay in the night.
Punks with Shonen Bakuhatsu from their 2002 self-titled album. Back in August, it was announced that Stance Punks will be releasing a new album called Changes. But as of this recording, there's yet to be a release date for it. Will it be out this year? Who knows? So, アンカントはマホのカソコにスイッテのユニクナモノガタリです。音楽とアナネーションは素晴らしいです。話はオドロクほど簡単です。しかし、カソコのミラベルエンの扱いはひじょうにおもえやりにかけるように感じます。それでも
くそれだけでああきらめいて見える不思議なくらいああ誰かとマッチしてみたいよね何から始めよういざほいてつってワクワクしてるウィーケン何が起きるのかなアマンダ、and together we're Black and Pat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m. Where we talk about issues that are important to us as black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Kudi Asasa, Kudi Sky, Kudi Asasa, Kudi Sky. Mimi Kalamasa, Nuhanaka Haeda. Chimpakanisa, Kotokuru no Hana. Koshu Nye, that was Yamai wa Hanakara. 
Koshunye are not stopping with this as they are writing and performing music for this year's 15th anniversary rebroadcast of the popular anime series Code Geass. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos from the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com, like us on facebook.com slash bostonbashbrigade, and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me, your King Baby Duck, on Twitter, the J-Pop, Video Games, Anime, Amino Pages, Instagram, and Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at BlackCompat.com, Twitch.tv slash BlackCompat, and YouTube.com slash BlackCompat. Special shout out to both 22 Oceans and Paris Music Corp for their contributions to the last couple of Shameless Tuesdays. We'll be back with more music from the Shameless Promotion PR lineup in our next show. But today, we're going to end things with one of Mark Lanigan's solo pieces. And out of all of his solo albums, my absolute favorite has to be 2017's Gargoyle. The song I am about to spin is the closing track from that record. And I feel like it's a truly fitting song to send off Mark to that big stage in the sky. From Gargoyle, this is Mark Lanigan Band with Old Swan. And until next time, this is your King Baby Duck, reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard, but it sure helps. Child, don't leave me here. Let me come with you.
This is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com. CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bash Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can. 